the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Rob Black Podcast. Check out Rob every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and Talk910.com. Live from the Bay Area. Your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Good day, everybody. It's me, Rob Black, talking all things financial. Brutal, brutal day yesterday, right? It's been a rough week on Wall Street. One of the toughest in a year. But this morning we opened up lower and we started moving a little bit higher. So have we braced ourselves for the 10% correction? 10% correction from recent highs. That's pretty normal. It typically happens twice, three times, four times a year. It's not an uncommon thing. It's a common thing. And every time it happens, you feel god-awful. You feel like you're getting kicked in the doodads. You just don't feel good. There's, you just don't feel good. A couple things are going on right now that are causing the markets to pull back. But let's take a look at the opening bell numbers today. Get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Okay, so there's some good news out there. Um, again, we opened lower. Now we're up 62 on the Dow, up 23 on the NASDAQ, up 10 on the S&P 500. Jobless rates drop in 34 states in Washington, D.C. Interesting, right? Interesting. So... Financial reform was a big story yesterday. Financial reform passed the Senate, and the president wants the final bill on his desk by, oh, get this, the 4th of July. So now it has to go back and be, this bill is going to have to be basically figured out between Congress, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. Here's more from Fox News Radio's Chris Barnes in Washington. Needing a simple majority to pass, it did so 59 to 39 with four Republicans voting for it. But Mike Enzi wasn't one of them. The dead gum government's going to be in everybody's pocket. Most Republicans saying the bill goes too far, negatively impacting small businesses and individuals. But Democratic leader Harry Reid says... Main Street, the bill says you no longer have to fear for your savings. It lets regulators liquidate troubled institutions, creates a financial consumer protection agency, and regulates complex products like derivatives. It must now be reconciled with a somewhat different House version. In Washington, Chris Barnes, Fox News Radio. Okay, I only pulled that clip so we could hear the politicians say the daggum government. I, I just think anyone who can say daggum in a sentence, they get my, my props and my respect. <laughs> so really, this, this, the passage of the reform bill, it's seen as a big factor in Wall Street's pullback yesterday and this week. Analysts blame the uncertainties it's posing investors, such as what the final bill is going to look like and what its actual effects on the system will be. Um, I tend to find that anything the government does, they do inefficiently. And anything that they regulate ultimately hurts that industry, and the industry can't do itself efficiently. Um, I'm not a big fan of regulation. I'm, I'm a big fan of deregulation, but I don't know. Maybe I'm young. Maybe I'm not wise enough to understand the complexities of it. Um, I thought I did, but 
I don't really like, I don't like regulation. I think Wall Street doesn't like it either, apparently. Elsewhere today, New Jersey Democrats, they want to take more money away from millionaires. Fox News Radio's Todd Starnes reports. New Jersey's Republican governor vetoed a Democratic bill that would have raised income taxes on residents who earn at least a million dollars a year. The veto came moments after Democrats passed the bill. The vote in New Jersey's Assembly and Senate broke down along party lines. The tax increase would have impacted about 16,000 tax filers, and Democrats don't have the votes to override. In New York, Todd Starnes, Fox News Radio. It's interesting to hear some of the arguments on this, and ultimately what you'll hear is, you know, uh, taxing millionaires is, by saying no to taxing millionaires, you're basically saying you hate old people because you're cutting their, their, their welfare system or that you're not funding their welfare system with the haves, the haves of the millionaires, uh, people who make a million a year plus. Again, oh, I think we've over-promised. I think it's a lovely... A uh, world that we would potentially live in in this type of scenario, a utopia. But I think utopias always, always become a dystopia. Uh, when you live in perfect sunshine and everyone gets everything they want and you tax uh, capitalists, the people who make a million plus dollars a year, they say, I'm going to move to another state. You know, uh, James LeBron, uh, LeBron James. James LeBron <laughs> just made up someone. LeBron James, he might very well go play basketball. In the state of Florida, because they have no income tax, no state tax there. So oh, that might be his driving factor. And do you see that people make decisions based on their wallet? I hope you do, because if I'm a millionaire and California throws a special tax on me, I'm moving out of state. So, hey, I can find another state to live in. So anyway, you get the basic idea there. So anyway, that's the big story. Now. The big story is financial reform, Senate passes in that financial reform bill. Um, there was a huge, huge flight to safety. 30-year Treasury hits 4.08%, its lowest level of 2010. So on a fear standpoint, on a flight to safety standpoint with money, it's going to Treasuries right now. And it's telling that's that's a pretty honest thing that you can see. People are scared. So to, to accept 4% a year for the next 30 years is Pretty anemic. You should be able to do better than, than that elsewhere, but safe money says no. Now, the stock market got caught Thursday in just a malstorm. It basically, a lot of uncertainty about the growth outlook. Who's going to carry the torch? Do we do a double-dip recession? The jobless numbers didn't look good. Today, the employment numbers look a little bit better. So yesterday, the S&P 500 dropped 3.9%, leaving it 10% below its close and high, i.e. a correction. Corrections are normal, and they're healthy. It's a way of letting a little bit of steam out of the steam engine before it blows up. Yesterday was the second straight session where the euro rallied. And the U.S. market acted as if it could care less. So we're seeing the euro fall apart, yeah. We're, we're doing a flight to safety, and then when we see the euro go higher, we're going, um, we're a little bit nervous still. We're still a little bit nervous. So let's not use that excuse. Let's find another one. Enter China. Headed for a growth slowdown of its own. It has a stock market in Shanghai composite that's fallen 27% from its high. So we're down 10% from our high. The Shanghai composite up down 27% from their recent high. So, and again, it's pretty normal. It's pretty normal. Now, the U.S. market's being sandwiched by a looming slowdown in Europe and the looming slowdown in China. And that's stirring some concerns because who's going to be the engine? 
in the last two, three years when America sucked, our economy just wasn't strong, our housing market was, was falling apart, we looked at China. We said, China, you lead us. You, you create demand. You create wealth. And they did. So there's some uncertainty now on who's going to be the, 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 the next go-to. So now the good news is there's no inflation and things along those lines. What would I do if I was scared like a chicken? Buck, 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 buck. What would I do? I would get a little bit more defensive with names like Clorox, with names in personal care, household products. They're very defensive. I would get a little bit more defensive in utility stocks. I would go small cap U.S. or dollar-based companies in the United States like AT&T. Small cap companies don't have that international exposure. AT&T doesn't have the euro exposure. You know, names that do business utilities in the United States and cash. I would look at, as the euro gets weaker, I would look at companies in Europe that are big exporters, companies that are sending business to the United States because they're able to do it cheaper. You get the basic ideas there? Anyway, I'm not a, I'm not afraid of the market. Never have been, never will be. I think that's one of my strengths is that I'm not very I'm not very emotional. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. If you're out of the area, you can call 415-322-9101. It's 415-322-9101. You can drop me an email rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. What else can you do? Jump on my Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. Coming up, I'm going to talk about the strange thing the San Francisco Giants are doing with their ticket prices this year. Is it to make more money? Is it to put more butts in seats? Why are no other teams doing it? It's a peculiar pricing mechanism tied towards tickets. 800-345-5639. Rob Black in your money. to Rob Black and your money on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. It's Rob Black and your money show. Rob Black taking a look at the stock market, seeing if anything tragic's happening or anything dramatic right now. Pretty good day. Dow's up 74. NASDAQ's up 23. S&P 500 up 11. Wall Street has clawed back after yesterday's plunge led by banks. Right now, there's a lot of concern on the euro and Europe and the trillion dollars trying to stabilize their their debit, uh, their debt system. Asia looks like China's putting on the brakes. What China does, so does most of Asia in theory because they're such a big economy in that part of the world. And in the United States, we have questions about employment. When is it going to come back? When will we start adding jobs again at not an anemic pace, at a healthy pace. And right now, you can only say that we're anemic. And something I like to do, like most men, is watch some professional sports from time to time. I like to. I I admit it. I'm guilty of that. Now, I've been noticing that at a lot of stadiums, I've watched, uh, I know you're going to say, that's very odd. I watched the championship game in soccer for the Uruguay League yesterday. And the stadium was mostly empty. And it's the championship game. It's the World Series of Soccer in Uruguay for their professional league. Now, it was mostly empty. Now, soccer's kind of funny because they tend to put the cameras on the side of the arena or stadium where the fans are. So if it's too big of an arena or stadium, it looks empty. 
is the basic idea there. But I've watched a lot of baseball, a lot of baseball. And we've heard stories like, for instance, the Baltimore Orioles, who have a lovely, lovely baseball stadium. Um, lovely part of town, fun to go out, 9,000 fans. And it actually, that's the ticket sales announced, and it actually looks like 6,000. It's awful. And now I'm seeing it everywhere. But no, the Giants are doing something kind of different this year. How much is a San Francisco Giants ticket worth? There's a guy named Barry Kahn, and he basically will tell you that it, it, it changes constantly. He's a 28-year-old New Jersey native. He's got a Ph.D. in economics from the University of Texas. He's developed software that's helping the Giants price baseball games in much the same way airlines manage seats to keep planes full. Keep in mind, if you buy your airline ticket six weeks in advance, you get typically the best price. If you wait till the last second, you typically get the worst price. So the first 60% of the plane gets a great price. The next 20% gets you know, less than that, uh, or they pay more than that. And the last 10% really pay through the teeth. Because the airlines know that there's going to be some last-second flyers. So they, they do a variable scale on the flights. Now, if there's no one on the flight, they'll lower the prices or cancel the flight based on mathematics. Now, Khan, this guy Barry Khan, he's got a company pronounced QQ. It's the big letter Q, little letter C-U-E. QQ. Crunches numbers on dozens of variables to determine prices that will get the largest number of fans into the stands. Now, the software helps the Giants set prices based on past ticket sales, the day and time of the game, the team's records, the pitching matchup, the weather, the going rate on resale websites like StubHub, and other data. So that's kind of crazy. It's like, I want my soda machine to always be the same. I don't want to go on a hot day and find that my soda is twice as much. Coca-Cola would love that. You know, if they could do a variable scale, definitely on the upside. So QQ, is it seems to be helping so far for the Giants. And again, it makes a little bit of sense, right? When the, the god-awful stink Baltimore Orioles come to town, do you want to pay a premium price for that ticket? Do you want to pay the normal price? No, you're paying the premium. You want the normal price for the Dodgers. You want you don't want to pay for the awful teams, but you have to because you still get the same ticket price for the great teams. Now, ticket prices used to be fixed before spring training, but with QQ, they're adjusted almost daily. Giants officially, the, the officials, they will analyze each section of the 41,500-seat stadium. And they'll look out on PC and see where prices should change. A green shading suggests the team is charging too little. Red means too much. The team can test various scenarios, like what does a price change in the bleachers mean for sales along first base? And fans will pay $10 for a better seat. Like, I might go to a game later this week, and eh, I'll get moderate price tickets. But if I can find out that if for $10 more, I can be in the front row, absolutely. So there, there's some pluses to it. The thing that I hate is that it's tying into StubHub because... Anyone who buys tickets from StubHub knows that you're basically getting jacked. You're getting jacked big time. Now, people and the Giants, they want us in the position of upgrading. The Giants say the technology could add about $5 million plus dollars in revenue this year. That's a free agent. That's, that's a nice player. Revenues are up 12% already this year. 7% um, attendance jump. So now the team's playing incredibly well, and they've got just the best pitching in baseball, or pretty darn close to the best pitching in baseball. So you get the basic idea, but the overall Giants attendance is up 7%, whereas the overall league is down slightly. So changing the ticket world on something that's incredibly boring and incredibly inane like tickets, it's, it's nice to see technology coming in. Now, some other sports are interested, too. Dallas Stars of the NHL, they're testing QQ. Cleveland Cavaliers of the NBA, they've got a working and flexible pricing plan with QQ's rival called Diogenetics. 
uh, concert promoter Live Nation. They're testing pricing software that should be ready next year. So QQ, how do they make money? Ultimately, it's a subscription, but they also get a piece of the pie for any increase in ticket revenues above a certain level. And that should add up to revenues of about a million this year from the Giants and maybe five million next year. There's big money out there in lost revenue from mispricing. A lot of the $20 billion a year for live sports and entertainment, a lot of that cash goes to scalpers now. So flexible pricing lets teams hedge their bets in bad times and capture the benefits during the good times. So it's interesting technology. I get the idea. I enjoy a a day at the ballpark like anyone. I'm not, you know, uh, subhuman. (laughs) I think I'm, I'm human. I enjoy some sunshine and pretzel and beer and soda and all the chips and, you know, everything that goes with going out. I will say that, Sushi's a little bit on the wrong side for baseball and football. Eating sushi at a, a ballpark just doesn't feel right. So you kind of get where I'm going at with that. Now, we can't go to the ballpark if we don't have jobs. And I can't do the show if I don't have callers. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. And if you're out of the area, and God, I'd get emails every day. Why don't you have a number for us out of area people? Well, I do. And now call, dang it. Dang gummit. 415-322-9101. Dang, gummit. 415-322-9101 to get your calls on the air. So the jobless rate, unemployment rates, fell in a majority of states last month. And that's a good sign. And that might be one of the reasons why the stock market's stopped its downturn for now. The marked improvement from March when 16 states saw declines, 22 states saw increases. So 34 states in the United States saw increases in jobs. Ten saw unemployment hold steady. That's pretty good. Pretty good. South Carolina's rate fell to about 11.6%, 12.2%. That marked the largest monthly drop of any state, so they get that number one angle there. Cutting workforces to the bone during the recession, companies are starting to boost hiring again. Um, California's still very problematic. California rounded out you know, 12.6% unemployment last month. Uh, Michigan's the, the the state with the worst. They've gone from 14.1% unemployment to 14%. Nevada's pretty close behind at 13.7%, which is the highest on records for Nevada going back to 1976. California's the third highest unemployment in the nation, again, at 12.6%. And again, one of the reasons why is we were hit the hardest with the housing boom. Nevada, California, Arizona, and Florida. And that, that bust has, you know, given us a swamping of foreclosures. So best place to go for a job in America as far as uh, chances of landing a job, as far as chances of seeing a help wanted sign, that would be North Dakota, 3.8%. But who wants to really live in North Dakota? What's going on in North Dakota? What's the capital of North Dakota? South Dakota is pretty close by, too. Uh, they're at 4.7% unemployment. But North Dakota, 3.8%. So um, it's pretty interesting to note that if you're unemployed right now and you're staying around in the state of California, I think you're making a mistake. In general terms and in theory, I'm not telling you to walk out on your house or walk out on your spouse. I'm not telling you to instantly move to the south. I'm not doing that. But I think it's a mistake to try to look for jobs where there are no jobs. Like Riverside, California and Stockton, California, there's really not that. There's no reason to, to hang there. There's just not enough job creation there. Now, in the peninsula, if you're an engineer and you're unemployed, yeah, it's a good place to be. There's other places that hire engineers, so I'd look at every possible opportunity that you have. 
To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Or you can call 415-322-9101. 415-322-9101. Coming up on the show, I'm going to be talking emails. I've got some of your emails coming in. I've got some stock ideas for you and you know some potential trading lists that you might want to, to put forth for yourself. 800-345-5639. Coming up, the business of sports on Rob Black and your money. Don't know what to do with your money? He does. Rob Black. 1-800-345-5639. On 9:10 a.m., more stimulating talk. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to Mike in the East Bay. Mike, how are you? Hey, pretty good, Rob. Hey, I, I had uh, two things for you. Um, hey, one, I just wanted to comment. Uh, I'm the uh, recently unemployed uh, techie out in the peninsula. And, uh, you know, I found it pretty surprised. You know, I hadn't been in unemployed since the you know very early 1990s. And, um Boy, I guess it can happen to anybody. Uh, I'm looking, and, uh, and and like you commented before on the peninsula, you know, th- things are looking pretty good. I've, I've noticed a big uptick in uh, requisitions available. So, good. Uh, just a comment. You know, it, it's pretty pretty good out there. I think, even though I'm unemployed, I think uh, pretty I'm gonna find something soon. What type of company or what type of work did you do for what type of company? Uh, semiconductor business. Uh, so I was a marketing and a program manager. Okay. So. Um, so, you know, a lot of that stuff, it, let, me, let me tell you, a lot of these companies have gotten really, really efficient with the last uh, downturn and, you know, have, uh, uh, you know, automated as much as they can and, and of course, uh, offshored. So um, when, you, when you get back, those people that want to get back into it, just, you know, make sure your uh, skills are extremely sharp. I was looking at the top 100 tech companies in the world, and for the first time, China's really starting to crack through on that, as is, you know, other parts of the world. Japan, obviously, is still big and technology, but uh, would you ever consider moving to a foreign country or even something like Texas uh, to, to stay in the tech business? No, no, life is um, way, way too good here uh, in the San Francisco Peninsula area. Okay. I, I just wouldn't do it. You're, buy, you're buying that line, huh? Oh, most definitely, most okay. definitely. I've, you know, I've seen, I've traveled, uh, I haven't traveled uh, in foreign, but domestically I haven't. Yeah. really can't beat it here, you know? Um, and you know, and a lot of the jobs when when they do come back, and, and a lot of the backlogs are increasing in dollars. Um, you do interface with you know with uh, a lot of people in Shanghai right. and uh, overseas in Eastern Europe, and that's what I'd be doing again. Okay. So, with that said, Mike, uh, what else you got for me today? Hey, just wanted to get your opinion uh, on um, IBM. Do you realize, Mike, that you say "hey" like Fonzie? Yeah, too, much. too much. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> when you I pick up the phone, you're like, "Hey, how are you doing?" Hey, I want to get your opinion yeah, on uh, IBM. It's cute. It's cute. I, yeah, I lived I, in California too long. <laughs> I think it's endearing. Uh, do you own shares of IBM? Do not, no. Okay. I think if you were to own it, you would want to own it for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, their backlog always seems to be increasing. Uh, they recently hit an all-time high, but they tend continue to get business. And, you know, they're one of those companies that sell hardware, software, and services. They're the number two software player behind Microsoft in the world. I mean, they're a pretty big player, um, and people kind of underestimate them. I, I think it's a lovely name. I would own it. Um, I'd like to get it on, you know, like after a bad week or two, so you take some of the risk out of the stock um, or right. take some of the premium pricing out of it. But at ten, at 12 times next year's earnings, it 
looks pretty cheap to me. It pays a little dividend. I think it's the type of stock, Mike, that you'll be able to give to your kids, and your kids will be proud of you, and they'll go, wow, you've owned IBM for 30 years. So I, I think that's the plus. Good. So I don't know. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, Big Blue, IBM is known as Big Blue, but they're really huge blue. And the I in IBM, international, they're really a huge international company. They're basically a leader in every market that they compete in. Um, again, whether it's services or software or hardware, they're one of the largest providers of both business software and semiconductors, computing hardware legacy systems in the industry. Just a good, solid company that's not sexy. It's boring. If you wanted a little bit sexier, maybe you'd go with HP. It's a, a I'm not going to say a mini version of IBM. It's a pretty big version of IBM. IBM's a little bit more mature as a company. Um, and that just means a little bit uh, more consistent, a little bit older, per se. But I got no problems with I, uh, IBM and or HP. Let's go do a quick email or two, shall we? All aboard! It's the email train. Chugga, 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 chugga. So, anyway, this one comes in. From... <laughs> There's a letter in your mailbox. You are having new mail in your inbox. Killing me. Mm, you've got mail. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. There is a message for you. Prepare to be astonished. <laughs> Pee-wee always makes me happy. Anyway, Wade sends us an email. He says, hi, Rob. My wife and I live in the Bay Area and have only one income at this time. Who would you recommend for term life insurance? Um, good question. It's term life insurance is life insurance, and we're all going to die. Some of us are going to die today. Some of us are going to die tomorrow. Some of us are going to live to the ripe old age of 100. So we're all going to die. You buy life insurance on the person you can't afford to lose their income. Ultimately, you insure their life. It's You need to start thinking about insurance not as, oh, I hate it. Or, oh, I never want to use it. Or, oh, it's so expensive. Or, oh, I probably won't get sick, so I don't need it. You insure things that you can't afford to lose. When you're 25, you're probably not going to lose your health. But if you do, it's going to be incredibly expensive. And that's why you have health insurance. Because if you're 25 and something goes wrong with you, it's probably not small. It's going to be something bigger. So when you're 65, 75, you know, your health is going to go bad on you. So you insure things that you can't afford to lose. When you're 25, married, and young, or let's say you're 25 and single, all you got is a cat. You don't need life insurance. If you die, your cat doesn't need a million dollars. You don't need to be that freaky-deaky person. If you've got a mortgage and you die, eh, they'll foreclose the property. No big deal, right? They'll shut it down. They'll sell it. They'll give whatever equity or whatever they can to any surviving family, brothers and sisters. So once you get married and your spouse needs your income or... Let's say you live in the state of California and you just bought a million-dollar home and both of you make 200000 a year. You insure both incomes. If you need that income to pay your bills, you insure it uh, because weird stuff happens. Some people were born with a deficiency in their heart that they're going to go later today. Gone. And the family will need that money or that income. So you insure what you can't afford to lose. It's that type of simple. Um, for instance, what other types of insurance are there? Homeowners. You don't get homeowners insurance to make you feel good. You get homeowners insurance in case a tree falls on your house. 
because it's going to cost you forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars to put a new roof on on top of the house. It's that's what you. So with the if someone doesn't have income, if they if they die, I mean you're going to go boo hoo. I miss them. You may want to have a little bit so that you can take the time to mourn, or you may have a situation where she's the mother of your children, and suddenly to hire daycare and nanny care that's pretty expensive. So you should price that out for. 10, 20 years and, and get term life for that. But then again, you know, once your kids start going to school at age five, you don't really need daycare and nanny care, right? So I don't know. I don't know if there's a right answer in his situation. I just, I didn't sure what you can't afford to lose. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. To drop me an email, rob, R-O-B, at robblack.com. Coming up, I've got a stock idea or two for you. We'll check in on the markets. Let's check in on the markets right here, right now. Give me just a second. I'll do it. Before we go, I'll do it. I said I'd do it. I'll do whatever I want. The Dow's up 65, NASDAQ's up 21, S&P 500 up 9. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. There's business and labor. If money grew on trees, he'd be the fertilizer. He's Rob Black on 9:10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Welcome back in. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. There's some fun stories out there today. Some of them probably not as fun for you as they are for me. For instance, small nuclear reactors are becoming big business. Now, we all know the, the, the visual image of Three Mile Island. Big old nuclear power plant, right? We all know what it looks like in our head. There's a company called Hyperion Power Generation, and they're going to do a license um, basically, they're applying for a license to see if they can't come up with something a little bit smaller, a small nuclear reactor, if you will, um, that would be tied towards maybe a factory or maybe a town that's too far away to get traditional electrical grid connection. So uh, Hyperion is a, a Santa Fe-based company, as well as Japan's Toshiba. They're vying for a head start over traditional reactor makers like General Electric and downsizing nuclear technologies. They're trying to build basically iPhones when the whole nuclear industry has been built on a mainframe. So they're trying to really, really isolate it down. One of the things that I've said that I believe in solar power, what's going to happen is I think it's going to be a lot more local. I don't think it's going to be a situation where it, it ties into the grid in every way, shape, or form. I think it's going to be on your house. I think it's going to be in your town. Maybe it'll be on your street. I don't think it'll be one system that powers the whole peninsula. I think it'll be thousands of little systems that power the whole peninsula, if that makes any sense. So we're a generation after Chernobyl. We're a generation after Three Mile Island, where accidents wiped reactor construction off the agenda of a lot of local governments and uh, federal and state governments. World electricity demand has grown since then. Uh, 2.7% annual growth. We need more. We need more. We need more. So it continues to grow. Large-scale nuclear plants now underway cost an average of about 6.2 billion and are going to generate multiple gigawatts of power now hyperion's price tag would be about 50 million a much smaller commitment to do power now obviously people say it would cost less to develop this price per megawatt because they're not doing such a big 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 plant as well so lockheed martin you know they build power systems for military bases they're basically saying you know this is a pretty elegant solution for some of our our, uh, our needs. Now, no manufacturer has ever gone for a small reactor, and, you know, it's going to be three to five years away, but I like the concept. I like the concept very, very much so. Now, again, 
if you're an environmentalist or if you're worried about terrorism, you know, a suitcase-sized reactor probably won't get the security that a, a big old nuclear reactor would get. But it could probably do just as much damage being a dirty bomb and destroying cities and situations like that. So it's a problem, and it, that obviously would have to be addressed. But I like the idea. I think it's a fun story. Now, speaking of fun stories, how about one that moves and one that hums? America's dairy farmers, they're out there, and they soon could find themselves in the computer business. The manure from their cows possibly could power a vast data center for companies like Google and Microsoft. It's not immediately intuitive. The idea plays on two trends, which is the building of computer centers in more rural locals and dairy farmers' efforts to deal with cattle waste by turning it into a fuel. Now, with the right skills, a dairy farmer could rent out land and power to technology companies and recoup an investment in a waste-to-fuel system within two years. This is according to an article that I read from Hewlett Packard. Now, information technology and manure, they've got a symbiotic relationship. Um, having these data centers locally will give farmers a new opportunity. Companies have historically tended to build their huge computing centers called server farms near large cities and near large industries. And as the practices continued through the years, it's become difficult for companies building the largest centers to find cheap electricity to power those monsters. I mean, a big old data center is huge. So the rise of high-speed data networks, it's given technology companies a chance to move further out and get cheaper land to get, you know, build their, their, their data in cheaper places. So Google, Yahoo, Amazon, Microsoft, if you think about it, they've got so many freaking huge data centers. You know, data centers have been built in states like Washington, Texas, Iowa, and Oklahoma. If these locations are near dairy farms, it would be better and better and better. So to make biogas, a farmer would need to buy some specialized equipment that runs the manure through an, a, basically a digestion process. I know that sounds disgusting, but it is what it is. Results in a large quantity of methane, which can be used as a natural gas or a diesel replacement. The average cow makes enough waste per day to power one light bulb. <laughs> Think about that. Have you ever been, have you ever been to a farm? If you ever go to a farm and you actually see manure, or if you ever go to a farm, you'll probably go vegetarian um, because it just, it'll freak you out. Now, according to calculations from HP, ten thousand cows could fuel a one megawatt data center, which would be the equivalent of a small computing center used by a bank. So it would take ten thousand cows to, to do a bank. So that doesn't really sound right, does it? So clearly it's not going to be a complete solution. It's going to be a partial solution, if ever. But from, you know, from moos to poos, and what, what other show can talk about cow poo and, and figure out, you know, it's, it's never going to replace hydroelectric. It's never going to replace hydroelectric. But again, it's a step in the right direction, and it would be an industry that we can create in the United States, and it would be jobs that we'd be creating in the United States. They do this manure technology, manure into power technology, all over India. So they burn cow manure for fuel um, all over, but on obviously a much less complicated skill. So uh, we got the waste. We got the poo. Why not use it, you know? We got the poo. So let's talk a little bit um double-dip recession and what's happening in the stock market. Stock market, and we've had no calls today, so I think we could have taped in the second hour. I think that's the law of the land, 800, oh, 345. Oh, we had one call. Dang it. Dang gummit. 
800-345-5639. The Dow's up 79. The Nasdaq up 24. S&P 500 up 11. So it's been a rough week, but it's ending out so far, settling sideways. Um, last couple hours, nothing's really happened on Wall Street. We've got about two more hours until the market closes. And if we could end here, I, I think it would be clear that we needed a blow-off in the stock market, and we kind of got that blow-off that we ultimately did need. So I think a double-dip recession is a little bit more likely now. Because when you look around, a couple months ago we had Europe to bail us out. Their economy was doing fine, so they're going to create some consumer demand for what we do in the United States. They're going to buy iPhones and things along those lines. Then we had China, and China, basically I'm looking around and, you know, I, I see a chance of a double dip. It's not huge at this point in time. It's not huge. Um... I don't think the stock market's a big focus for world governments right now. I don't think you can look around anywhere and show me a government on the planet that's that's trying to grow their economies. Right now, you know, most legislation that's coming out is anti-growth for the long and short term. Um, it's favoring labor over capital, and some people favor labor over capital. Some people favor capital over labor. I don't think the stock market is the focus for Obama. I don't think the stock market is the focus in Germany. I don't think the stock market is the focus, you know, in the world right now. China was viciously pro-growth, and it was wonderful, but now they're doing some tightening, and that could become deflationary because when you spend so much money and then you tighten, it can start, it could jack prices up in inflation, and then when you tighten, it could quickly lead to deflation. So Brazil and Australia, they've got great economies. They're they're doing the same thing China is, and it's unhelpful. Uh, because they were engines of growth and consumption for Latin America. Europe is an engine in contraction right now, so Europe's problematic. What's going to work on Wall Street right now are utility companies and food companies. What's not going to work is you know the GEs and United Technologies that need the big government you know sponsored programs to to be funded. So there's a lot of losers out here right now, and both can go down. I think the bigger companies like the GEs and the United Technologies, I think they've got more downside than like the Procter & Gamble or the General Mills or the Cloroxes um, or the utilities or some select tech companies, which are doing fine. So pessimism is building out there. And I just you look around the world and you just don't see any government doing anything that's really all that exciting. And uh, Europe was the last one to basically fall. And uh, the United States, we're bailing out our, our economy to a tune of a trillion. China's putting on brakes. Europe's trying to stabilize the euro and trying to stabilize, you know, debt from inflating too much. And when you do that, you're not spending money like a drunken sailor. It's got some pros and some cons. Let's go to Eric in San Jose. Eric. Oh, hello. How you doing? Um, I just had a question for you. Um, me and my wife were in our mid-30s, and we have basically nothing saved for retirement um, whatsoever. And my wife is in... Um, a private practice, so she doesn't have access to any type of like a 401k or anything that she can contribute to. Um, and and I'm unemployed at the moment, so I don't have anything I can contribute to. But we're just kind of wondering what the best place to start is as far as kind of getting something started to save for retirement. Yeah, I, I don't think you want to just start there. I think you want to <laughs> get a, a good look at your overall picture and figure out what else you're missing. How much does the wife make? Um, she makes over 100000 Okay. You got a winner there. <laughs> Treat her well while you're unemployed. Oh yeah, I do. Oh, I do. Okay. <laughs> you got any? You got any kids or anything? No. Okay. No. 
Um, so you want some term life on your wife. For instance, you're like, Rob, I thought I was going to get investment advice from you. But no, no. you got to protect that income. That's really important for you at this point in time. So I'd consider some term life for 10, 20 years. Okay. Uh, if she's going to be a breadwinner, if, if at some point in time she's going to make babies and stay at home, then maybe not 20 years, maybe 10 years. Um, and then when you become the breadwinner, you go for 20 years because if something happens to your income, then it would be replaced uh, with 10 years time your sa- 10 times your salary, something along those lines. You can figure out the mathematical formula that works for your particular situations. Um, what I would consider is getting the book, The New Rules About Money, The New Rules About Money. It's by a guy named Rick Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N, E-D-E-L-M-A-N. There's hundreds and thousands of financial books. I've got one out there that I hate. I absolutely <laughs> hate it. His book better than my book. So rock, scissors, stone, he beats me. Um, it's easier to read. It's got pretty chapters. You can get it used for like 5 $6 on Amazon. So I would do that. As far as starting to save, I think first thing you're going to want to do, and see, this is why it's not so easy. Do you know your budget? Do you know how much you spend every month? Um, or do you just know that you're not running out of money based on her, her, her salary that comes in every two weeks? I mean, we're still, I mean, I don't want to say we're just getting by by any means. You know, we have a little bit of money left over at the end of the month. And right now, to be honest, we just have, like, we have high balances on some credit cards that we've been trying to kind of pay down. And I keep trying to persuade her to get into either like a debt consolidation program or, or, you know, just something to kind of pay those down. How How much debt do you have and at what rate? Um, it's all, I mean, the credit cards are all varying amounts, you know, so I want to say a minimum, you know, let's say 10%, something like that on some of the cards. Some of them are as high as like 19%. Okay. But we have, it was basically, we accrued a lot of debt when we moved to California, um, from Missouri. And so we accrued a lot of debt on those cards just in the process of moving and everything else. And so we're sitting about, let's say between 30 to $40,000 in various credit card debt. That's what you got to do first. You, yeah. You're not in a position to save money. You're in a position to pay off high, high, high interest rate debt. Um, okay. And I would do that first. And unlike that crack whore Susie Orman, um, oh wait, wait, alleged crack whore. Let me protect myself legally. Um, she would say, pay off the smallest one. Just pay off whatever. It, it'll make you feel good if you get rid of it. It'll make you feel. I think that's crap. So if you have any 19% cards, target those first. You have 10% cards, target those last. And then after that, you're going to want to start basically a budget with Mint.com. You're going to put in your your bank account numbers. You're going to feel weird about it, but it's going to show you your budget. It's going to do a pretty good job. And then you, at at that point in time, once you pay down that $40,000 in debt, then you start saving for retirement. You're going to probably want to do a Roth IRA um, or a regular IRA. Um, individual retirement account, so it's a Roth individual retirement account or regular IRA based on where you think you're going to tax is going to be in the future. Some people say open up both and fund each half. Um, I like uh, the tax deductions. I like the the efficiency. of. I prefer a 401k over a Roth myself, but um, with that said, I think the first thing you've got to do is you've got to pay down that. That's killing you. And if you don't see that, you're, you're mathematically not, not figuring it out. 10 to 20% versus getting 10% at best in the stock market in good years, I, I, I think that's a bad idea. So thanks for the call, Eric. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. In the second hour of the show, we're going to have Dan Rusnowski. We're going to have stock picks galore. I got stock picks coming out the yin-yang today. We've got Dan Rusnowski of the San Jose Sharks coming up next. We're going to have headline news. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.